Hello, welcome back to another episode of Out of Context. Thank you so much for taking time to tune in. Uh, just taking time out of your day today, I have a very special guest, my friend Maria, who grew up, who lived in a socialist environment. So she's going to go ahead and share her story. So without further ado, this is Out of Context. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to just talk with you virtually instead of text and just um, have you just share your perspective and clear up any misconceptions. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's actually a pleasure to finally see you like through a camera or something. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely need to like hang out for sure. Yes, please see. I'm going to be going there soon probably. So Yes. yes, that'd be so much fun. So I asked Maria to come on because she has a very unique story that I think should definitely be amplified. So Maria, if you could kind of give us the nutshell version of just introduce yourself, your story, that'd be great. Okay, thank you. So I was born and raised in Venezuela. I came to the United States when I was only 17 years old, uh, without my mom, without my dad, just by myself. I for all of you wondering, yes, I was legal. Uh, thankfully, my dad, um, he is a plastic surgeon. He was a plastic surgeon in Venezuela, so he got a really good job here, and he can a American citizen. So because my dad is an American citizen, I became an American citizen as well. So that's how I came to United States, um, because I know so many people wonder, why didn't I go to another country, but why did I come here? And so I was really involved in politics in Venezuela. I did campaign against Chavez, against Maduro, and my thing was, you know, if, if, if they lost and if something did happen, I could stay home with my family, but it didn't happen. So I, when I graduated from high school, I came to the United States. I didn't know English, so I learned English here in, in a school. And then I came to West Virginia because my dad was like, you're going to West Virginia because no one's going to speak Spanish over there and you're going to learn, blah, blah, blah. So that happened. When I came here, I actually didn't want to do anything with politics. <clears throat> I didn't want to talk about politics because of the situation back home and because my family's still home yeah, in Venezuela. So I didn't want anything to happen to them. Um, but then 2019 came and I, I don't know, I just felt like I wasn't doing anything with what I actually liked. I, I was doing politics since I was a kid in Venezuela. My mom actually used to work in politics, so she's the one that got me into politics. I, as kids, we all say, oh, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a professor. So I was like, I'm going to be a engineer. But I was like, I don't like math. I'm going to be this. Oh, but I don't like sharks, stuff like that. So um, my mom was working in politics in Venezuela. And uh, I remember going to all of the events and seeing what my mom used to do. I said, this is what I want to do. But I saw politics as a way to help people. Mm. I came here and then I was, again, doing nothing. And then in 2019, I was like, okay, I have to do what I like doing. I started with the Leadership Institute, um, doing trainings with the Leadership Institute, great organization. And then I started getting contacts and started getting involved in other nonprofits and all of this stuff. And then this is who I am now. (laughs) I have made all of my social media, um, like my Instagram is about politics. Um, I don't share anything about my family just because my family is back home. And again, I don't want anything to happen to them because of me. But, you know, my family has gone through so much. My brother and sister were 
they almost got kidnapped two years ago in Venezuela. Um, they were out of town. They were out of the state for a few months. Um, my mom was scared that something could happen to them. Um, after my mom got done working with the government, um, who she was working, I mean, she was working for someone from the opposition, so she didn't have anything to do with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, once his term ended, there were people harassing my family. So you could see how politics actually are in Venezuela. They're kind of like corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a socialist government. And, you know, they were going after my family. And I guess that's that's why I was so scared that if I share my story over here, something could happen to them. But when I was in Venezuela, when we're kids, we're always playing outside and doing all of this crazy stuff. I, I, I think my generation <laughs> was the last generation to play with the actually toys because right now yeah. we see kids. And they're like, you know, their phones and their tablets. So I remember I would always play outside with, with my neighbors. Like my neighbors were my best friend until this day they are. So we're always playing soccer and stuff. And then I remember one day I had my backpack mm-hmm. and I had my phone in my hand. I was going to my neighbor's house. He literally lived in front of my house. I was going to his house and I was walking. And then these two guys came to me and they were like, give me your phone. And they had a gun. So that's the first time I had a gun pointed at me when I was only 12. And I was so scared. I my I gave him my phone and then I came back to my house running and I said, Mom, this happened. Um, the second time that happened, I was 16. I was leaving school. I was literally a block away from school. And I had my brother and sister. My brother was 11 and my sister was 12, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this guy was like, hey, like, you know, he was like on, on one of the um, the corners of the street and I was walking with my brother and sister and then he he just took the gun out he's like give me your phone I had my phone in my pocket I didn't have it out so I yeah. took his hand put it in my pocket got my phone out and I, I remember I just ran to the bus stop and when I got home I told my mom I, I got robbed so you know all this has happened and, and and you wonder like this is how you want to live for the rest of your life that you're scared that you go out and something's going to happen to you that you might not come back um a friend got killed. Um, she was driving home one day at, I think, five in the morning because she was like two hours away. Another town, two hours away from our town, she had to go to work. And then she left that town really early at five in the morning to get to work exactly at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this car behind her. They were trying to rob her, like her car or kidnap her, still don't know what exactly was they killed her um and several other friends from from school that have gotten killed just because someone comes and they just want to rob rob them like their phones motorcycle doesn't matter what they have you know mm-hmm. and but it has gotten to the point that even if you have a phone it, they're gonna kill you if you don't have anything they're gonna kill you whatever you have like even if you don't have anything it's gonna happen it's so dangerous to be back home and the crime is so high and those are situations that you know, when you're going to a supermarket, like here in the United States, you go to a supermarket and you buy whatever the heck you want, mm-hmm. whenever you want. You can go to a supermarket 5,000 times a day and get the same cereal and no one's going to say anything to you. But back home, um, when I was there, we have to do this, I mean, still, we have to do this huge line of people waiting for a turn to get into the supermarket to be able to buy something. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter what the supermarket had that day. One day, the supermarket will have milk. The next day, they will have rice. The next day, we'll have chicken. So it, it's just insane that you have to go to the supermarket. That was the other thing. You have to go to the supermarket only once a week, depending on your ID number. Oh, wow. So all of these differences between 
capitalism and socialism and it makes me think like like what are we doing in the united states what are our generation trying to do because we have a huge percentage of our generation that wants socialism because they say, oh, it sounds so good when you read about it. No, it does not sound, even when you read about what socialism is, mm -hmm. the definition, it does not sound like a good thing. Yeah. Taking things from others. My grandparents had a farm and um, my grandma got a stroke in 2018. They had to go back to the, to the city um, to treat my, my grandma. And then when they got back to our farm, everything, like there was nothing. Our animals were gone, our horses were killed. People are eating horse meat to be able to survive. Yeah. So we don't have horses, but like my horses got killed. We, we don't have any animals. Everything was stolen from our house and in the farm. So we have nothing in Venezuela and all of this because of socialist government. And to me, when I think about it, it's insane to think that someone next to me will say, oh, socialism is good, Maria. No, it is not. I live through it. And, and you will see in social media, all of these people are like, socialism is so good. Capitalism sucks. I'm not grateful for America. I'm so grateful for America because it's actually the only country on earth that has actually given us the opportunities that we couldn't have back home and the freedom that we couldn't go have back home. If you go to Spain, Spain is about to become another socialist country and South America everything like the countries in south america it, it's another thing yeah. so it's like where are we all gonna go socialism gets to be in, in the united states yeah and i so i have a quote by aoc and so i kind of want your thoughts on on it so she said that to her social what socialism means is a guaranteed basic level of dignity so i think mm -hmm. a lot of like college students they think that oh well socialism it's gonna make everyone equal um mm -hmm. what would you say to like a college student who's like yes it's gonna it's gonna bring equality and, and that's what i always say yeah you're gonna be we're all gonna be equal equally poor mm. and my family welcome they were like middle class family at least we had food on our table all the time one of the things i will say is that my grandparents they will always do like a they will go grocery shopping and they will go like huge like like there was this supermarket in venezuela it's kind of like costco so they will go into the supermarket and they will buy everything so my grandparents will have money to do a grocery shopping for their house in the city grocery shopping for my house grocery shopping for my aunt's house grocery shopping for our farm and grocery shopping for you know all of those people that were helping in, in our farm and now it's in, to me it's like you know when I called my grandparents um probably six months ago they told me that they have to rent out their house in the city because they didn't have money to eat after going after being able to buy groceries for like six different households now they don't have money to eat themselves so yes, we're gonna be all equal, equally poor. Mm, yeah, that's I I think that's um a really significant thing that a lot of college professors leave out. What okay, so I know you kind of mentioned how people had to at times eat horses because there was no food. Is there like a misconception about what people have, what people have to eat, and what people don't? I know there's been a a little bit of controversy online because you kind of clear that up for some people who are like what exactly is like the most basically when you're in that situation what do you have to do if you could kind of just clear up that misconception there are so many videos out there and 
pictures saying, for example, they have a dog. Oh, this is my pet in capitalism. The dog's alive, I'm all happy, blah, blah, blah. This is my pet in socialism. And they just show a picture of like, you know, like, like meat, like, I don't know what that is. So, and there are other videos saying, oh, look at my pet. Oh, sorry, buddy. Now I have to eat you or, or cook, you know. Um, yeah. But people are just trying to say that we, I mean, I'm, I'm talking as a survivor of socialism and many of my friends that are survivors of socialism can even clarify this. All these people are trying to say that if we don't have food back home, we're just going to kill our pets and eat them. That's not, that's, that's not yeah. true. That's not true. To me, it's insane to see other conservatives playing with our suffering, mm-hmm. playing with our feelings. You know, like I know that they say feelings, so the facts don't care about your feelings, right? Am I right? Yeah. But you know, feelings actually matter when you have gone through such a, you know, now it's probably easier for us to talk about it, but, and then we're like, how do we go through all of this? But you know, sometimes you feel like, for example, have my family back home. And, you know, it makes me really sad to know that sometimes I might not have anything to eat. I'm just here like, oh, let's go to Cheesecake Factory or something like that. I feel guilty that I live this life and my family is <laughs> not, you know. Yeah. So all these people like going around trying to get famous out of these stupid videos because that's what they are, stupid videos. It's not nice, you know. Yeah. It's not nice. Kind of weaponizes your pain and other people's pain who are survivors of that type of government. So, you know, people would rather eat bread, only bread, or starve, or eat watermelons, or eat mangoes, because it was the time that, that that's what the lowest class in Venezuela would only eat, than eating their pets. You know, pets are family, you know, like just imagine, do you have pets? Just imagine you killing your dog because you, you, you're starving. I can never imagine me killing my cats because I'm starving. Yeah, no, they're family. Like, so it's all of these people are, are just like, they think it is a joke. I think that's what they think it is. Oh, I'm going to get, this video has to go viral. I'm going to get 10 million views. It does not have to go viral because what you're saying is not true. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is just like, if it is true, let the survivors of socialism talk about it. You don't know anything about socialism. You didn't live through socialism. It's fine. Like, you know, we have all these candidates and all of these conservatives talking. This is socialism, blah, 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 blah. Look at Venezuela. They have no idea what socialism is. They're just using our stories to become famous, to become, to, to go, just go viral on TikTok. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Is like with those misconceptions, and one of the things, I think I more so hear this from the left. But I often hear that socialism, this is like the main argument, that socialism is different than communism and that <laughs> socialism will never lead to communism. What would you say to all of this? Well, you know, socialism is the first step to communism. Um, it says that when you read about it, um, it will be a socialist country for the first 20 years. After that, it becomes communism. For example, Cuba, it's now a communist country because they have had all this dictatorship, the same, the Castro's for 60 plus years, I think 61, 62 years, but it has been more than 60 years. So the first step, I mean, socialism and communism are the same thing. It's just like, you know, 
Oh, socialism. Look at what are the examples that Bernie Sanders says? Um, the European countries, they're socialist countries. No, they're not. Yeah. Um, so it's the same thing. They're just like putting it just a little bit nicer for them to think that it, it's, just, it's just better. Yeah, I have actually have a quote uh, by Lenin. And like the, during the Bolsheviks, and he said, the goal of socialism is communism. Like mm-hmm. that is what they intend to do in the end. Yeah, and, and that's what it leads to. Do you see what, because I know you had mentioned your family in Venezuela. What inspires you to fight here in America? Like knowing that you experience all that, do you see America rapidly progressing towards socialism? What um so um the thing is I don't want to go through the same thing. Yeah. I don't wanna like coronavirus. When coronavirus first started, I don't know if you did it, but we have to do a line to get into a supermarket. I was just yes. like, what is Ooh. this? And then I saw empty shelves. I was like, oh my gosh, like what is this? So I don't want to go through the same thing again. And you know, I have I have a good life here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to, if, if I want to change, like if I want to get a new iPhone, I just go to the store and get it because I worked really hard to get that new iPhone. I know that socialist said, it's insane to me to think that people will buy a thousand dollar phone. Why? If I work hard for it, like I did, okay. I did a um, documentary, I think it was CBS last year. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I always talk about this because they came to my house, like, they were filming for like three, four hours. And when you see the documentary, I'm only there for like less than five minutes. And they get the socialist 20 and 30 and 35 minutes. Like you see everything, it, it's just a socialist talking. And then there's this lady, she's like, she works at Verizon. And then she says that, you know, to her, it's saying that people will spend a thousand dollars on a phone, blah, 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 blah. But then these people, these socialists, they have, a thousand dollar phone they have a really good car they live in really good conditions because the government is giving them money from our taxes (laughs) to be able to 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 have this life so these people are just used to wait for the government to give them something Mm. and i think a lot of the a big argument that I've seen kind of been pushed is, well, healthcare. That's like people's driving thing is um, and healthcare. Know, yeah, like healthcare is not even like free healthcare. Like, okay, my grandma used to work for the government in Venezuela and um, she used to work for the petroleum company. Mm-hmm. I think when I was born, if I'm not mistaken, we'll have to check in with her. <laughs> I think she retired. Um, I think when I was born, she was probably like 50 something. So, um, she retired and you know she has all her benefits and one of those benefits is healthcare from the government um they pay for it and but you know my grandma got this stroke and then she went into to a clinic mm-hmm. in, in in venezuela private hospital and then she got a stroke she was there for only like two days and they told her well you need to go because we need the bed for someone else my grandma had had just a stroke and they're telling her she needs to go, oh, you're fine. What if my grandma actually did die back home? Yeah. So it, it, we see also, yeah, free healthcare, free healthcare, not. They're not going to give you the same attention. I think people are, don't force something into the citizens. We can actually, like, for example, the vaccine, they're trying to force a vaccine into all of us. Mm-hmm. 
when you, when you have a government that's trying to force something into you, you know that how it's going to end. So why are you forcing healthcare, like free healthcare, when I can just pay for my own private healthcare and have a better attention probably? And it doesn't even matter how much I'm spending on my healthcare. I choose to do this. So, for example, with the vaccine, it's the same thing. I choose to get the vaccine if I want to or not. Mm-hmm. I don't think nothing comes out of forcing stuff. Yeah, giving people the, the free will to just yeah. choose. Yeah, and it's all about freedom, you know? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all about freedom. And I'm not sure how it is in, in Venezuela, but in Canada, I know that they have like a line process. So even if you have a severe heart disease or a severe mm-hmm. issue, you have to wait in line or they, if you're older, then you get least preference. Is it kind of like the same way? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, again, we, we talk about free healthcare. It's the best tension. They will blah, 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 blah. But you know, example is my grandma. Mm-hmm. She had a stroke and it's like, oh, well, sorry, you have to go because we need the bed for someone else. Wow. She's like literally dying. Yeah. <laughs> there. You know, and, and God is amazing. God is God is huge. I mean, you know, he he was there with her and, and you know she she's better now, but what if she she didn't make it? Yeah. That's and I I think that's so important for people to hear is hear that that downside, like the situation with your grandma, because and I think a lot of young people's minds, they think, oh, well, free healthcare means good healthcare, but free doesn't necessarily mean a good quality, like you were mentioning. You know, that, that's one of the quotes I have been like talking, like, since I made all of these videos, I always talk about this quote. Socialists are always going to promise you free tuition, free healthcare, free everything, but they will never promise you freedom. And, and the thing is, like, why do you give enough freedom? Yeah. That's yeah, that's that is so good. I'm going to like put that in the caption that way people have that. That is so good Um, because like you had mentioned, education is a huge one. I know AOC has talked about it so much about free health care, but I mean, sorry, free education. But I I think, you know, with just like health care, when things become free again, that doesn't necessarily mean the quality is going to increase. The quality is actually going to decrease. Um, and that's, yeah, that's something that everyone should be aware of. I have, okay. So I have another question for you in, in terms of people like AOC, people like Bernie Sanders really pushing for socialism and a lot of young people jumping on the bandwagon and really thinking that they're being humanitarians by supporting these things. If you could tell them one thing say this is like a super super progressive person who thinks that socialism is the answer what would you tell them i will tell them to actually do a re- do research mm-hmm. you know I, I think many times when we want to know about something or we want to take a decision into something we do a research into what we're getting ourselves into i will tell them it's like i'm not trying to say socialism is bad look at venezuela like other people do I'm talking from my experience, and I think people actually like to hear stories. When you have someone that says, oh, socialism is bad, what are you going to get? You're just going to get all of these angry socialists going after you. Mm-hmm. But when you hear actually what someone went through, you hear stories, you're like, wow, this is powerful. But I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, that was not socialism. That was capitalism. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's funny because all of this, gov- the government says, we are socialists, blah, 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 blah. But look at my country. Like, if they don't believe it, they can just go home and they see it for themselves. You see people starving. 
people dying because they have having anything to eat in days, uh, people dying in hospitals, uh, crime is so high, other killing people killing other people. And you know, that's the other thing about, at least in, in here we have, I know that so many socialists are against guns, but in here, at least we had the like power to have the second amendment and the second amendment will actually defend us from other people. Like for example, if I did have a gun, if I had an access to a gun or if other citizens in Venezuela had access to a gun, I probably have never gotten dropped. <laughs> or, you know, maybe if we had guns in, in, in Venezuela, maybe my, none of that will have happened to my grandparents in the farm. Yeah. So I would say, I know it's difficult to hear from people that are older than you, but just like look at those people actually are your age and just listen to them and do your research and then see what you're getting yourself into, see what you're voting for. Yeah. Because it might sound good, it might look so good, but once you have them in power, it will be so difficult to get them out. Yeah, and you had mentioned guns, and I think that a lot of people, someone had messaged me that they are a victim of gun violence, and that's why they're so, they really want a lot of gun regulations. Yeah. But recently, there was, um, I forgot what state it was, but it was at a pizza place and so it was an armed robber and someone was actually able to save everyone because he was he had a concealed carry license. Um, And what I try to stress to people is the people who if you do take away guns legally from law abiding citizens, you're not going to take them away from the criminals, just like how you were sharing your personal story of how you almost got how you got robbed. Um, the people who mean to do harm are still going to do harm. And you know what? I, I was really scared of guns because of what I went through back home. And, you know, I couldn't see a police, like a cop coming close to me with all those guns because I literally freaked out. Like, I was so scared of guns. Until I actually understood why the Second Amendment is actually good for citizens. And, and that what you mentioned is that once you take, take guns out of crime, I mean, the citizens, the criminals are going to still have it. Because, for example, the criminals back home, they're with the government. And this yeah. is the same thing that happened right here. I heard someone talking actually about me saying, this girl can actually tell you what happens when citizens don't have guns. And then I realized, I'm not scared of guns. I actually would love to defend myself. And then I went shooting for the first time, um, like, at, like like a year ago. I was just like, yeah. this is not that bad. You just have to be careful in what you do. You have to learn how to manage things. But, you know, like if someone comes to my house and they want to rob me or something, I have my gun. I'm like, yeah. you're my property. Mm-hmm. Something is going to happen. You know, you can defend yourself and your family, which is the most important thing. A gun is to defend you. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go on the street and kill everyone. That no, that's not how it is, you know. Yeah. But I was, I was really scared of guns, and I actually understood. This is why we need a second amendment, because when you, if we see a Venezuela, we have all of these people my age that go out to defend the country because they're protesting against the government. And what the government do? They call all the military. They call all the cops. Oh, go just go kill them. How many people have the government actually killed? How many people have actually the police or the military killed by because of guns, you know? Yeah. If we had something to defend ourselves, if we had guns, I'm pretty sure the government would be out right now. But we just don't have anything to defend ourselves. If my friend that night, she had a gun, maybe she will have been able to defend herself and these people would have killed her. Yeah. And recently, uh, President Biden actually said he was speaking against guns and he was saying, why would... Why, why would you 
basically that the government could overpower you anyways. And then he brought up nuclear weapons. And I think he's a bit confused. But just the fact that he thought that, you know, just the fact that that thought popped into his head was a bit concerning. Yeah. And, and you know, all of these people, all, and, you know, the only ones that don't want guns, don't want the citizens to have guns are, it's, it's just the government. The government doesn't want us to have guns. Why is that? You just think about it for a second. Why does the government don't want you to have guns? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they can take over if people aren't armed. It's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And do you, so kind of shifting topics a little bit to what happened in 2020 with all of the lockdowns and everything, um, I saw a lot of people kind of just willingly, and I think initially we all kind of were concerned because we had no idea where this virus was coming from, but I saw a lot of people willingly kind of just giving up their rights and just jumping straight into it. Um, But I had heard someone bring up that it seemed like the government was testing their limits of how much control they could push. Um, And I know you'd mentioned the grocery stores and that kind of was like traumatizing because that took you back. Um, So what do you think? Do you think that they were testing that limit of just control? And with the lockdowns, I know the vaccines, we kind of touched on that. Yeah, I think what happened in 2020 was just like, not like a 10% or 20% of what socialism actually is. Mm-hmm. So if you have to do a line to get into a grocery store, if you have to wait outside for hours to, to wait to, to get into the grocery store, if you went in and then you saw empty shelves, if you went in and you were like, you can only get one toilet paper or something like that, only one milk for people and stuff like that. I remember that I was like, whoa, this was exactly yeah. thing back home from Venezuela. This is, this is what happened there. You can only get a gallon of milk. That was just a like just a little bit like just the government was testing us and see if we could actually handle socialism. I couldn't because I don't want to live through that again. I already did, and I don't think we conservatives actually could do it. Um, uh, we are all against it. Um, we, I think we have learned through history, and that was another thing. Like people should learn through history that socialism is not good. Yeah, I don't know how I felt for liberals. They, I'm pretty sure, the left they were done with it. I am so, because the left, even though they want to push for socialism, if socialism gets into here, they will like, oh my God, what do we do now? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that we're just trying to see how much we will take. And I, I don't think we can take that. I mean, we don't want that. We, I want to be able to go into a grocery store and just grab all the milks if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just a test. It was just a test for them to see how much Americans will take. I don't think Americans, I don't think we Americans want that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I have just one last question for you. And again, thank you so much for coming. I think it's just so insightful. Like more people need to hear your story because only you, your perspective is so unique because you experienced it and you're sharing because you genuinely care. And even how you had mentioned earlier, there's some people who kind of just use it and kind of weaponize people's pain and there's so much trauma that has occurred because of socialism. So it's such a sensitive topic. So thank you so much for oh, thank you. sharing. Um, but to close, do you have any, um, any advice for maybe people who, um, who are also want to bring awareness about socialism, but they don't want to do it in an insensitive way, like we had mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and also, if you could share with people where they can find you on social media, I'll also link everything. So in the description, there'll be all of Maria's handles, and I'll link everything as well. So talking about advices, um, I think we should, I should like break it down in, in 
two parts. On one, I know there's so many people our age or even younger than us that they're trying to, for example, on college campuses, they're trying to do something, they're trying to speak up, but they're so scared that, I mean, they go to a liberal school and they're so scared about other kids. I remember I had a call from, from someone from, I'm not going to mention her name or the school just because of her privacy, but she told me, she said, Maria, what do I do? I'm trying to open a conservative chapter for whatever um, organization. And she's like, but I'm so scared that people are going to go after me. I said, look, <laughs> I'm coming from a country that if you speak up, you will end up in jail. If you speak up, you will end up dead. I was like, you have justice here in the United States. If something happens to you, there will be justice. And I don't think they're going to do anything to you. What are they going to do? They're just going to call you names. They're going to be like, oh, you're stupid. Mm, yeah. No, I'm not stupid. I'm actually smart. I'm actually on the right side of history. And then for other people, what, what was the question again? Uh, people who are who want to spread awareness, but they don't want to do it in an insensitive way, kind of how we mentioned earlier, yeah. how just people were spreading false information. Yeah. I will just say, do it the right way. Just just look into what actually is happening in the country and, and just do it. When you do something, do it from your heart. Do it because you care about what's happening and because you actually want to fight against it in the United States. Don't do it just because you want to get famous. Actually, followers don't. I, I have like 2,800 followers and I have seen all of these people that want to become famous. They have 80,000 followers, 100,000 followers. I don't care about followers. And just just care about sharing my story and people can see like, oh my gosh, she went through this. And this is what's going to happen in the United States if you, socialism gets to be here. I just do it. You know, at, at first you might have only one like, one view or two views, two likes. doesn't matter. Like don't even care about the followers. Just do your content the right way. Just do it. Just do your research and you say, okay, I can talk about this. But don't just try to do videos to become famous. If you want to do something, do it because you actually care about the country and you want to fight against it. Don't do it because like, oh my God, this is going to go viral. I'm going to have 10 million followers. No. Yeah. It'd be genuine. And speaking of being genuine and authentic, Maria is so genuine and authentic. And it's just been an absolute pleasure to talk to oh, you. So thank you so much. I'm going to link everything. Do you want to say you're at just for those who are listening? Your handle. So, yes, my Instagram is at Maria F. Bello. And Twitter is absolutely let me check. <laughs> and I'll make sure I link everything. So you guys can just click the description and uh, it'll take you to everything as well. So Instagram it's at Maria F. Bello and Twitter is at Maria F. Bello 96. That's the two actually apps that I use. I usually use more Instagram than Twitter just because, you know, um, but yeah, that, that's all the two actual social media that I use. Perfect. And make sure you guys follow her, support her. She has some really exciting things coming up. So make sure you guys yes. are following her insane updated so thank you so much again no thank you and have a nice day thanks you too